Welcome to the Shari Tzedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Shari Tzedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Let's have a little fun. We're going to play a game that I call Guess the Holiday. So I'm going to give you a couple clues, and I want you to hold your answer in your head until the end. Don't shout it out. Um, so the holiday that I'm thinking of is a celebration of romantic love. This holiday is connected to historical or legendary events from thousands of years ago. On this holiday, people give each other gifts, cards, chocolates, or go on special dates with their partners. And this holiday is smack dab in the center of the month that it is in. So anyone have any guesses? Yeah. So Valentine's Day is a very good guess, but it is not Valentine's Day. Anyone want to try one more time, or were we all thinking Valentine's Day? Okay. Oh, Jamie, what are you thinking? Tuba Av. There we go. Okay. That's good. Yeah, so it, so it isn't Valentine's Day. It is very close. So the holiday that many of us may not have heard of is called Tuba Av. That is two, as in the Hebrew letters, uh, Tet and Vav, which represent the number 15. So it is the 15th day of the month of Av, and it happens to begin tonight. So Tuba Av, surprisingly, <laughs> has received very little attention for most of Jewish history. And it really only took off in the modern era in the 90s. That is the 1990s, just to be clear. We've been around for a long time. In the 90s, the Israeli entertainment and beauty industry revitalized Tubaav as a commercial bonanza. Essentially, when it became Jewish Valentine's Day, people would spend money on gifts for their loved ones. And obviously, the more you spend, the more you love someone, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm cynical. Uh, but I do think that there is a lot more for us to glean from Tubaav than just sending chocolate and cards with hearts on them that just happen to be in Hebrew instead of English. So for anyone who remembers, last Shabbat was a very different holiday. That is Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of the month of Av, which commemorated not only the destructions of both the first and second temple in Jerusalem, but also a number of other historical tragedies. If, if it's a terrible thing that happened to the Jews, we say it happened on that day. Bottom line, it's a very different kind of holiday, a glob of accumulated sorrows. But Tuba'av is the opposite. Perhaps as a way of counteracting the overwhelming sadness of last week's holiday, 
Tuba Av became associated with a number of joyful moments in biblical history. For example, the rabbis claim that it was on Tuba Av that the tribe of Benjamin was readmitted to the Israelite community at large after they had waged a civil war against the other tribes. It was on this day that King Hosea canceled the guards on the road between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah so the people of the divided kingdom could celebrate the festivals in Jerusalem together. And connecting it to the subject of love, it was the only day on which members of the 12 tribes of Israel were able to intermingle and intermarry. There are many other stories connected to Tuba'av, but the central theme of each of these is repairing broken relationships, bringing people together, and finding common ground. The tribe of Benjamin is forgiven for its transgressions and brought back to the fold. The northern and southern kingdoms, so often torn apart by hate and jealousy, found a way to celebrate together. The divided peoples of the 12 tribes gathered to form connections, bringing them closer to becoming one holy community. It was a day of putting aside differences and rejoicing in shared humanity. And ancient depictions of the celebration of Tuba'av suggest the same theme. We read in the Mishnah, a compilation of rabbinic law and wisdom from 2,000 years ago, in which the, the rabbis paint a picture of this holiday, a very vivid one. The young people of the holy city would borrow white clothes so everyone would be dressed the same and no one would be embarrassed. And in the heat of the Jerusalem sun, they would make their way to the vineyards, dancing in joy, and as male suitors would come to meet them, they would say, young man, lift up your eyes and see what you choose for yourself. Do not set your eyes on beauty, but set your eyes on family. And then they would cite the book of Proverbs. Grace is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Now this is a, I think, a beautiful and romantic scene. Uh, and it suggests that the participants at this meat market, M-E-E-T, just to be clear, were encouraged to try and look beneath the surface to find their life partner. Now, putting aside the potential misogyny of the men being the only ones doing the choosing, and of course the heteronormativity, there is something more here. What I find, particularly in the idea of all the women wearing the same white clothes, is that there is a leveling of the field. It isn't about how someone looks or dresses, it is about who they are. And now to contradict myself, because that's what we do in Judaism, we know that physical attraction can be an important part of a healthy relationship, and bodily beauty has its place in the Jewish tradition. Uh, Musar literature, a genre dealing with ethics, suggests that cleaning one's body and wearing comfortable functional clothing are a part of living a virtuous Jewish life. But caring about how we look in our tradition has very little to do with attracting a partner. In a midrash, a rabbinic story, Hillel the elder, the great first century rabbi, is walking down the street and his students ask him where he is going. 
I'm going to perform a mitzvah, a commandment, he answers. His curious students ask, which one? And he replies that he is going to take a bath at the bathhouse. Now you might be surprised, and they were too. That's a mitzvah? Really? Are you sure? And Hillel answers with a story, as rabbis often do. Of course, there are many statues of the king in public places, and the caretaker that polishes and takes care of them is richly rewarded and brought to meet the royal dignitaries. And for me, made in the image of God, how much more so should this apply? And here, in Hillel's story, we find what I believe can be the essence of Tuba'av for us in our day. Now, to get to the idea that Hillel mentioned, you don't have to read that far into the Torah. Uh, in fact, one of the most important ideas in Judaism, and I would suggest one of the most important ideas in the world, happens less than one chapter into Genesis. You don't even get to the end of the first chapter before you find it. God says, let us create humankind in our image, in our likeness. And so God created humankind in the divine image, creating it in the image of God. There it is, two sentences. It is so profound and earth-shaking that you should have to stop just before you finish the chapter and read it again. I don't know how anyone ever made it any further into the book. There's so much to think about. Every human being, without exception, is a reflection of God, a sculpture of our creator on earth to be cherished and tended. In this week in our Torah portion, we read the second version of the Ten Commandments and are forbidden from making graven images of God. Now, why does the Torah forbid idolatry? Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, 20th century thinker, gives us a very good answer. And it is not, as we often hear, because God has no image. It's, in fact, the opposite. It is precisely because God has an image that idols are forbidden. You are the image of God. But the only medium in which you can shape that image is that of your entire life. To take anything less than a full, living, breathing human being and to try to create God's image out of it, that diminishes the divine. And that is idolatry. So, when we look at anyone who walks through the doors of our building, of this synagogue, and anyone who walks into our lives, there is always that lizard part of our brain from when we came down from the trees that makes us afraid of the unknown, afraid of someone who might look different. And here in a synagogue, you know, we're, we're that much more careful in these days. But that person, whoever it is, a midrash on the book of Psalms tells us, is preceded by a company of angels who proclaim, make way for the image of the Holy Blessed One. Every single person. We should see those angels and realize that we are looking at the face of God. That might help us be a little less judgmental and more curious and caring towards the people that we meet.
And I would say the best part about having a minor holiday like Tuba'av that we only know so much about is that there is so much more potential to shape what it means. Tuba'av as a holiday of love could draw our attention to this simple premise that all of us are made in God's image. Like the most important ideas in the world, it is simple to grasp and difficult to internalize and put into practice. Let us work towards that on this day. Let us begin to know and feel that every act of love towards another person is an act of love towards God, and that there is nowhere in our world where God is not present, because human beings make God present. Then everything else falls away. Gender and sports teams and tribes and politics and whether you like Star Wars or Star Trek more. Those are gone. Unless, and this is a big unless, someone comes along and threatens to undermine the humanity of another person. You shut that down right away and try to teach that person in a way that they are able to hear. And even that can be an act of love for a fellow human being. So I think it may be time for us to put aside our candy and our cards and try to give our fellow human beings, all mirrors of the divine, the kind of gift that they deserve on this tuba'av. Kindness, acceptance, dignity, and an acknowledgement of the divine that dwells within each of us. This is a far more worthy and, frankly, cheaper gift than a box of Lindor truffles. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.